Welcome back to Crazy for Swayze. I'm your host, Vince Troya, and I'm joined today by the little to my giants, Josh Young. Josh, how are you doing today? This energy is absurd. What are you doing? I'm fucking up. Fucking it up. Yeah, like in a good way. I'm 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 excited for for the movie we're doing today, Josh. Josh, I got I got this one for you. I got this I got oh man. It's oh, called oh, Steel Dawn. It's, it's co- called Steel Dawn, and it's supposed to be like a Mad Max. I'm, I'm ready. I could watch Patrick Swayze ride a horse across the desert every day of the week. Now, this movie, it was filmed directly after Dirty Dancing, right? It was actually filmed while he was waiting for Dirty Dancing to come out. He just, like, finished up, and he's like, fuck it, we're going to Africa. And then he and Lisa hopped on a plane, and they went there, and they made this fucking movie. And by the time he came home from filming this, Dirty Dancing had came out. So, that's the time period we're in. Like, 1988. Swayze Mania. Now, this movie was released on March 31st, 1988. Like I said, it's rated R, and it's 101 minutes long. It was directed by Lance Houle, who also did Missing Action 2, The Beginning, and One Man's Hero. But, I haven't heard of either of those movies, and they were made, like... 15 years apart so I'm not really sure what else Lance has done probably nothing that's okay you work with Patrick Swayze once that's all you need yeah I mean like what else is left those other things that you mentioned sequels to movies that we've never heard of well one of them came out before this okay Missing in Action came out before Missing in Action 2 and Missing in Action 2 the beginning came out in 1985 so Assuming Lance has done a few other things, I'm sure, you know, he's eaten since then. This just seems like it's a vehicle, like it's a Patrick Swayze vehicle. I think that's what it was. Honestly, like, he was bored after the movie, so he's fucking signed on for another one just to keep working because he didn't know that Dirty Dancing was going to be a, a hit. And to travel a little bit, I imagine, as well. I would assume, too. If someone was like, hey, do you want to go to Africa for work? I'd be like, okay. Yeah, he said in the book, uh, once they got there, he was like, well, why'd we go... All the way to Africa just to, like, hang out in the desert like it was back home. <laughs> well, I did find that Patrick was our top-billed character named Nomad in this movie. He was fo- starred alongside with Lisa Neme, his wife. Uh, we've also got Anthony Zebre from The Omega Man, Matrix Reloaded, and Licensed to Kill. And Christopher Neme, spelled different. Uh, he was also in Letters to a Killer and The Prestige. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we got lots of people from Letters from a Killer in this movie. Actually, everyone that was top billed in this movie was in Letters from a Killer. Lisa was in that movie? Lisa was in that movie. Anthony was in that movie. And Christopher was in that movie. They all got scammed, dude. (laughs) Maybe they were just... Okay, okay. What if this situation was exactly what, like... Adam Sandler does with all of his fucking buddies. Like oh, they just yeah. get this movie, and then he goes, "Hey yo, uh, I'll get the whole cast. Don't worry." And then he just calls his friends, go, "Hey, do you want to make like a million dollars and just hang out and fuck around for a few days?" Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "Hell yeah, yeah, let's go kiss in Africa." And they just did it in Africa. Hey man, if you gotta do what you gotta do, go down to Africa, look at some lions. Yeah, but ride I'm a pretty, motorcycle. I'm pretty excited for this one. How you feeling about it, Josh? I'm feeling like it could be good, but I mean. Who's to say? Don't you think we would have heard of it if it was good? 
I I think I would have been able to find it on DVD if it was good. Otherwise, I wouldn't be having to like look at forty dollar copies. Like, like obviously, it got overshadowed by Red Dawn because that's a color, and steel can be a color, but it's really more of a a metal. Yeah, it's really more of a metal. I understand. Yeah, I I I'm I'm coming in this kind of kind of blank, and I'm excited. You ready for this, Josh? Yeah, the excitement hasn't worked out well for us in the past, though. I'm not trying not to get my hopes up too high. Hey, you know, worse things have happened. Yeah. This. At least this movie won't be racist against Italian people. <laughs> At least this movie won't be racist against Italian people. It might be. <laughs> That was a movie. It was a movie. Were you engaged by the movie? I was. You didn't fall asleep. No, I didn't fall asleep. So that puts it on that that certain level. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of kind of adventurous. Yeah. It was rooting and tooting, but yeah. it wasn't like cowboyish. A lot of the reviews I was looking at said it was like Shane. What do you mean the, Shane? The cowboy movie Shane that our that my friend Shane is named after. Oh. I've never seen it before. It's just a classic, you know, cowboy rolls into town, he's the good guy, he solves all their problems, and he rolls out. Yeah. And I guess that's the the long and short of the movie, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much, it was a Mad Max, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Only he's a soldier instead of a cop, and it seems like they're further into the apocalypse. Yeah, a little bit further. But yeah, it was it was good. I had I had a good time. I thought it was okay, you know, like, I think it was a great movie, but I sort of enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I found myself very engaged watching it as opposed to taking notes. My notes kind of stopped halfway through the movie. Well, I don't know if there was much to note, really, honestly. There was just lots of fighting, man. Yeah, there was a good amount of fighting, and Sw- Swayze does all his own stunts. Yeah. So we know that that's cool about him. It's it's very apparent that he's doing his own stunts. You can, you can very clearly see that it's him doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sword fighting and uh, some gymnastics. Yeah, everything, everything. Well, okay, let's start from the top. Yeah, let's just do a brief rundown. So it, it opens up with uh, Patrick Swayze as our main character, Nomad, doing a handstand in the desert, right? Which already is, like, one of the Swayzeest things that you could possibly be doing. Fuck, <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and uh, all of a sudden, these people just come out of the sand. Sand people. Yeah. They're like they're like digging up through the ground, like we're we're coming out. Yeah, and they're like attacking him and everything like that. They're trying to take and, his goods. Uh, yeah, so he so he immediately starts uh, beating them up, and he kills a bunch of them, mm-hmm. and then uh, we never see them ever again. Yeah, they they never become an issue. They seemed very threatening in the beginning. They were almost like the graboids from Tremors. Yeah, I kind of thought that they were going to be the big bads of the, the film. Like, no. oh. We're going to have to yeah. fight these these mutants who live underground. Yeah, no, just that first little, just to establish we're in a post-apocalyptic setting. That wasn't brought on by any, like... They don't ever say what? No, no, it was because of war. Oh. I, they didn't mention if it was, like, the, the war was a byproduct of the, you know, the apocalypse or vice versa or anything like the that. The one thing that stood out to me about the setting and the time setting was that in the m- middle of the movie... Lisa, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Kasha. Kasha asks 
nomad uh if he ever wonders what people were like before the dust storms came in yeah so i guess that the apocalypse is like a climate apocalypse right uh, i would assume and they must be i mean it's sort of portrayed as if it's in america mm-hmm. um they seem to have like a weird alien language what do you mean i don't know like uh, there was some writing throughout the movie and like none of it was in english mm. i don't know Okay, so he fights the mutants, and then he meets up with his boy, right? Yeah, but they don't, like... Like... What was his name? Uh, his boy? Uh, his name was Master Roshi. I think it was Cord. Okay. Yeah, they didn't say it. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. This guy, like, trained him how to be a warrior, though. It's what it kind of gave us the vibe. Like, he was his mentor. And mm-hmm. then they met up, and he's like, oh, hey... I've become a peacemaker, and it's supposed to be just, like, a sheriff that rolls into town and helps people out and stuff like that that's, like, sanctioned by the state or something. Yeah, it's weird to think that they have a state. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand what it was going on with that situation, but um, they had cool swords and stuff like that, and then while they were fucking chilling... Just in the bar, you know, like a like a cantina situation. It looked like it was like a like a corrugated metal shack or it was like a trailer or something. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really like it's bigger on the inside though. Yeah. <laughs> it was not There's nobody in the bar. <laughs> it was out in the middle of nowhere. Like who's operating this bar? I have no idea. I, I had so many I, questions for it, the movie. It didn't make any sense. And then an assassin shows up and kills the the mentor. Like a lot of them. A lot of assassins. But like there's the one guy that kind of looks like a dollar store David Bowie. Yeah, well he comes in and he like Patrick Swayze looks as if he like got poisoned or something like that. He pulls like a quick figure and then he like stops his his buddy Cord from drinking the the wine and he lays down. But then everybody comes and just beats up Cord and kill him, kills him. And then, so he's just fucking sitting there. Well, that's not, that sets up, like, the uh, the revenge arc for the movie, right? The, but, the vengeance, the, reve- the avenging. Yeah, I guess. Like, it's time to avenge my boy. Uh, but he doesn't actually, like, as you noted while we were watching it, he didn't seem very phased by it. He just kind of leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, like... That was bad. When they both showed up and, like, they started, like, fighting with each other, they didn't seem like they were very friendly. Oh, yeah. He didn't really, like, care at all. Well, you know, uh, at the beginning of Predator, they don't seem very friendly either. Uh, Arnold and Carl Weathers, but they are. Yeah, Dylan. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) You son of a bitch. Yeah, and then they flex. For like really long. So time. he had some serious flexes in this movie. Like ooh, oh, yeah. he was like, you know, like he was doing a lot of manual labor in the in the next bit of the film that we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. Well, a- after after his buddy dies, he takes his sword and all that kind of stuff, um, which I would essentially think it's like Judge Dredd's gun. Like it's the special thing for this specific job you know as a peacemaker yeah they did kind of imply that throughout the film that those swords are well not if they're not for peacemakers necessarily then they're for uh, g- like generals in the in the in army the army and stuff yeah. what, whatever the case is they came with some weight with this specific weapon so he uh 
he carries it in a in a fashion that it's like he puts it in his back pocket, like with the handle. But <laughs> in then, the pocket, yeah, and then the sword is just sticking sword out of his pocket, protruding <laughs> out, just like wherever. That's the aesthetic of the whole movie, right? It's yeah. like scrap metal. Yeah, like and, way more so than Mad Max. Like this seems like really sketchy. Like Mad Max, yeah. everybody's shit looks cool, and this everything looks like shit. Yeah, it it looks like we uh, we had basic like high school welding classes yeah like maximum and it, it, it begs the question of like who, who made this shit dude and what was going on with their outfits oh like everybody was wearing something that should have been uh leather but was actually plastic yeah or like that <laughs> everybody's shit was painted yeah it, it, some of the vests it looked like it was supposed to be like unarmored vest or something Fashion like that corner but it was like a vinyl almost. Yeah, yeah. Their like, clothes were made out of trash. Like it was just all football pads and hockey pads. A lot of the metal looked like it was PVC pipe, if you ask me. It did, and they had like fucking torches stripped to it at one point. But honestly, the sound design was really good. Like whoever worked on the sound design for this movie did a good job because there's lots of like uh, sheet metal like flapping in the wind sounds that really oh, sell. Foley? Yeah, yeah, the Foley the really good. sells the fact that all of the shitty plastic and vinyl is actually uh, metal and leather. Love it. Uh, I thought the thing that about the, the fight inside the bar uh-huh. where uh, not Dolph Lundgren kills Swayze's buddy. Oh, you mean the guy from uh, Blade Runner? No, no. <laughs> oh, not Dolph Lundgren. Oh, yeah, the the, the David Bowie guy. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what his name is, though. His his name is... Uh, oh, you're going to... Show. Show. Not... For some reason, he was giving me, like, Jeff Winger vibes, but not Joel McHale, just Jeff Winger vibes. Oh, no, his name is Show. Show. Um, show me what you got. Well, Show shows up and uh, starts fighting fighting cord and then gets him kind of pinned up against the wall right mm-hmm. after whipping around these like kind of kind of night sticky kind of looking sword bad boys and just like whipping them around and catching everything right <laughs> and then all of a sudden pins him up against something and like gets gets the knee boot you know oh, but shit. instead of out of the toe it's out of the top the, the so, knee boot yeah uh, the, the the knife the knife boot the knee boot I'm sorry. The knife boot. Yeah. Knife boot. The knife boot. The you know comes out of the top. Did of Roadhouse the boot. come out before or after this? After this. Oh my God! Do you think Roadhouse stole the knife boot from this? But they're like, no, you got to put it in the front. Put it in the toe. Yeah, that, that's, the toe. that's a little bit more manageable. Like, but yeah, so he puts it out. It comes out right about his knee, and then he just knees cord right underneath the ribs and kills dude him. that's such a boss move like having that having that knee knife like no one expects a knee knife dude it made <laughs> me feel like it was he was in mortal Kombat. like it was very very oh especially the mortal new ones Kombat. where they like x-ray in and you get to see it go into all the <laughs> okay so that's like the setup for the movie right his, yeah his his mentor gets killed and now so he's he wandering his, yeah the, the wilderness or whatever the wasteland yeah being like a regretful like like a reserve peacemaker like he's a peacemaker i guess like he's got the sword and he like kind of believes in it but he's yeah. not really trying too hard yeah yeah so that like the best way like, he is like a mad max in that situation like yeah i was a cop but like uh-huh. not really trying to be too good right now you know yeah just help out where i can maybe where it'll get me later whatever mm-hmm. but before cord dies he tells uh fucking swayze about this 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 camp nomad is never referred to by his name throughout the movie yeah no so he, i think it's fair for us to call him swayze i think so too he 
that one point uh, he's asked what his name is and he's like whatever suits you so it's like oh, he yeah. really doesn't care I don't care what you call me but he, you can call me hubby if you like he was told about this settlement that's a little bit further down the road and uh, so he just decides to walk there and when he gets there he's greeted by Kasha which is played by Lisa Nimi and then we've also got Tark who is pra- played by Byron James who is in Blade Runner oh yeah no, no. His name's Brian. Brian. Byron. <laughs> Brian. Vince has a very mild case of dyslexia. It's mild. No, he comes up like when he's, he's spicy. When he's like reading and talking at the same time, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The guy from Blade Runner's there, and then we've also got the director's kid or nephew or something like that as like the, the boomerang kid role. I mean. He's also like the Anakin Skywalker role. Yeah. Because I thought this movie was a, a Star War. It was super Star War to me. It just takes place on Earth. You think it was like. You th- do you think it was more Star War than Mad Max? Yeah, uh, but I'm not sure why. There like, were no lasers or in it at all. Um, or- yeah, for sure. I don't know. Just something about it, like really struck me as like if A New Hope took place only on Tatooine. Like if they didn't have the. Uh- the technological advances, or if like uh, uh, the, the what was episode one called? The Phantom Manus. The Phantom Manus. Uh, if that one had like gone on for longer and they just stayed on ta- Tatooine for like ever, like <laughs> if this two and a half hour movie just went on a little bit longer, let's just hang out with this kid. Like none of the none of the setup shit happens. That it just it's all about Anakin. I don't know. It gave me Star Wars vibes, dude. If that movie was all about Anakin. I think, like, I'd be happy because then we'd have a main character. (laughs) Because that movie doesn't have a main character. Not Darth Maul. Is it it Emperor Palpatine? (laughs) Well, no, because he deserves his own trilogy. He's just the bad guy. (laughs) Is it Jar Jar Binks? Jar Jar was the most crucial character, but he wasn't in the first one, was he? Yeah, he was. Oh. He was uh, he was definitely in the first one. Ahmed Best was Jar Jar Binks in The Phantom Menace. Good for him. It's crazy that Jar Jar was in all three movies. That's so absurd. They they drastically cut him down in the, the second and third one, though, because they're like, oh, no one was a fan of him in that first one. Jar Jar is the most crucial element. Yeah, so this person who was banished from his community, <laughs> you know, this aquatic like secretive community that somehow has technology that they can breathe and it's just amazing right he was banished from them is now a senator in the galactic senate like, uh-huh, he represents those people he, and also the people up top yeah because they, they, they it's a symbiotic relationship so like uh-huh. talk about a redemption story that he is the main character of star wars jar jar Binks. he's the bad guy why do you see the bad guy doesn't he vote Emperor Palpatine into supreme power? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, he acts like he's a dummy, but he's not. He's like Tim Armstrong. I think you're right. Yeah, I am. There was someone that was trying to say that he was actually, like, the Phantom Menace. You know, like uh-huh. the titular one. Uh-huh, yeah. I don't know if I believe that. I do believe it. I don't, yeah? I mean, George Lucas said he was the most crucial thing. <laughs> In the prequels, I uh, I don't I don't I don't know. If, should we argue with George Lucas? I would never. I mean, would you? I'll start beefing with George Lucas. 
What do you want me to beef with him about? I don't know. Whatever you like, man. Whatever we were just arguing about. <laughs> Whoever the phantom man-ass is. Who's the phantom man-ass? <laughs> I think it's Jar Jar. <laughs> I think he's the phantom man-ass. Speaking of Jar Jar Biggs, the mummy is in this movie. Fucking Arnold <laughs> Belushi. <laughs> you surprised me. <laughs> just came out of nowhere. And he's like, he's he's part of the bad guys gang, right? Yeah, he's they've got a squad, and he's he's the most recognizable guy on yeah, the squad. He's got like a face tattoo and everything, and he's just running around fucking shit up for this guy named Demini, Demilian. I don't care what that guy was called. See, he was giving me job of the hub. Damn no, damn no. Yeah. D a m n i n damn nil. Yeah, he's like a he's like a like a landlord. He wants to buy out the land that their new settlement is on because he knows that there's water underneath there. Is he a landlord or is he just like uh like 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 how the huts are? They're, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. like kind of a crime lord. He's a warlord. Yeah, he's just the boss. I mean, his base looked really sick though, didn't it? It did. Like they had they had like a roller coaster or something. They had electrical lights and ladies dancing. Way cooler than the place that uh, Lisa had, and Patrick were hanging had, out. If 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 I were going to pick a place to go out and have fun, I would, and I had to choose between electric lights and ladies dancing, and no electric lights and no ladies dancing, and like work that you've got to do, and work. I'd probably go to the place with the electric lights and the ladies dancing. Yeah, there's probably less children there too. Yeah. I mean, like, there could be children there. I don't know. What if they like electric lights and ladies dancing, too? I mean, everybody likes those things. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if they're chill, I guess. Hell yeah. We could, like, have activities. I don't know. (laughs) Like coloring? Yeah, let's let's color some pictures. Uh, I'll go find some crayons over in the destroyed town. Well, you know, if they've got electric lights, they've probably got video games. Okay. So... Yeah, I don't really much understand how they understand electricity Dude, if it's like that how far do, in the How are they the only ones with electricity? Everyone else has torches. Well, yeah, it seemed like they did have electricity at the new settlement, though. Like, because remember when they left the light on inside? I think that was wrong. <laughs> I think that, I think was, that was a too. goof. They walked into this cave that they had to have torches, and as they walked through the doorway into the actual cave room... Like, that was actually, like, opened. Yeah, the yeah, they, they were lighting all the stuff in there with the torches, and there was, like, white light coming from a dark the room. doorway that they walked in that was clearly, like... It was, like... Absurd. They would have had to have entered directly from the outside, but they didn't. It just seems like they could have saved a lot of money by shooting, like, in America, doesn't it? It doesn't make any sense why they shot it in Africa. <laughs> I don't understand. Was it cheaper? Maybe. Maybe they just want a vacation. Maybe uh, Mr. Hool. Is that the guy who who made this movie? Maybe Mr. Hool just wanted to take a family vacation. And that's why he brought his son or whatever. (laughs) And his his brother and his his (laughs) nephew and just whoever Patrick Swayze knew. This kid was never in another movie or TV show ever again. This was it. Just like Anakin Skywalker. And he kept doing that little thing that was like, I promise, and he would like go from an open hand, and he would make a little power fist. Yeah, I like you. D- you did a good job describing that, since this is an audio medium. Yeah, yeah, it was an, an open flat hand to a power fist, and he'd do it whenever he was uh, saying "I promise," and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cute." Yeah, yeah, I liked that. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so we get kind of like walked around this little area that that uh, Patrick has come across that th- his buddy told him about, right? And he starts taking part in the different uh, day-to-day tasks like farming and building and such. And um, eventually, Kasha says that we have something to show you. And then she goes into this cave thing, right? It's actually an aquifer that her ex-husband or her her late husband, excuse me. Yeah. Had uh, she's a widow. Yes, because she's a widow. Because he died in the war. This is something we're learning about Patrick Swayze is that he likes widows. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, husbands die at war. Remember three wishes. Yeah, he didn't die in the war though. I mean, (laughs) come on, they brought him back with a wish. That was a monkey's paw thing. Oh yeah, that was the best part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, because Dad was actually a zombie and, and uh, Swayze was just going to leave the kids alone with him. <laughs> he just loves coming in like, oh, man, your husband's gone. He's away at war, dead or whatever. I'm real respectful, but I'm here to be these kids' new dad. <laughs> he definitely came in. He swooped in and was like, well, the, the part that really got me about this one was was Tark he was already kind of being pretty dadly with Tark with was the, already the dad he's just not that hot yeah Tark was already being dadly with Jux and, cause, and Jux was Kasha's uh, son right so Jux Jux J-U-X and uh, Spacey like just swooped in and was just like hey kid um, if you help me with my farming I'll help you build a race car and he's like you know how to fight? And Swayze was like, yeah, I know how to fight. He was like, teach me how to fight. And he's like, well, first you have to master the handstand. In order to meditate. Yeah. You've got yeah. a handstand to meditate. you got to meditate to fight. Yeah. And this is, I have it written down, this is inverted meditation is the key to fighting. So I'm going to start doing that all the time. Me too. I'm also going to start doing that all the time. I mean, when you wake up every morning and you choose violence, you've got to be able to. Hold on. Agent Cooper would tell us the same thing. What, to meditate? Yeah, upside down. Oh, yeah. And then he'd also tell us to, like, throw rocks at water jugs (laughs) after we say people's names to see who we should investigate first. But he'd also tell you just to do something for you every day and you know what I'm thinking Agent Cooper might know the key to a good life right you know what you're right so then it's like the middle part of this movie is mostly just Swayze hanging out at this community and like becoming the new dad and becoming the new cop there right yeah kind of I don't even know if he's like necessarily a cop he's just like the go to like He's pretty jack-of-all-tradesy, you know? Yeah. So whenever anyone needs help, they go talk to him, so he just becomes a real popular guy right away. Right. Everybody likes him, but there's not even that many people there. There's, like, a few dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. Kesha, the child. Yeah, but everyone starts to like him. Uh Uh-huh. And Kesha actually starts liking him a little bit more than everyone else. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they go take a little walk into the desert. Well, I think he was, uh, was he doing his meditation out there and she approached him or what was he doing? Maybe. I I can't remember. I just, they, they ended up behind a rock, you know. Behind a rock. Smoochin'. Smoochin'. And they did the classic, like, falling down on each other. Beautiful. But unbeknownst to them, because they were on watch, I guess, the bad guys started sneaking in there 
started fucking up their wind turbine that they've got pumping water around their camp and stuff like that. Oh, is that what the wind turbine was doing? I guess. I don't know. It sounded like it was hooked up to a gas generator, but it wasn't because... It was like a hybrid engine. Yeah, I was... I didn't really know what the purpose was, but after that got fucked up somehow and no one heard it, um, they decided to go to the bad guy's little camp place where the electric lights and the ladies dancing were Mm -hmm. and fucking Chucks and Patrick Swayze just steal a pump yeah what's a pump do Uh, presumably move move a liquid (laughs) but like it was really just an excuse so that they could have like a a chase scene right yeah and they they kind of kill a few people short chase scene but uh, the mummy doesn't die no uh, I thought he did. He he fell on the ground in such a way that it looked like he had like busted his back, but mm-hmm. he was back later. Yeah, no big deal. It, like Swayze, like just like so the, they put this pump on a cart, right? And then the, these guys drunk just start walking over to it. So they hide, right? So Tuck grabs onto the bottom of it, and Swayze just kind of like laying on the ground because it's dark out and they can't see him. And then he just kind of runs up behind them once they've started moving, right, to get into the cart. But he doesn't just, like, kind of climb up. He, like, just kind of jumps and he soars into it. Uh-huh. It was very exaggerated, almost mystical. Yeah, he, like, soars into it and into that gentleman and just chucks the guy off the cart. It was right off that cart. It was, it was like, without even hesitation. It was just, like, one fluid motion. Just yeah. like Amazing stunts. I mean, probably because the cart was only going, like, three miles an hour, two miles an hour. I mean... <laughs> Those things don't move very quickly. When, when, if you've got the, got the opportunity... To do such a thing, why wouldn't you? you know, and those right? were horses too. There's some horses, just a couple horses. Mm-hmm. Just a couple. But yeah, after that, it's just a bunch of fighting. Yep, it's all fighting because the baddie knows that they took his shit. Yeah, and he just wants to come back and fight it up. So they do, and it's brutal. Dude, it's just it's just fighting. For, that's like the first forty five minutes of the movie. The last forty five minutes, all just fighting. Yeah, like after the success of the raid, uh, Tark is like, I don't, uh, I'm getting cucked here. Yeah. So Swayze has to go get him from the bar because he's being a sad cuck, and uh, then they start fighting. Yeah, they fight a little bit, but like then Tark can save the day later on by sacrificing himself. Well, he didn't sacrifice himself. He was just out, like, being drunk, and Swayze was fighting everybody, and then they were, looked as if they had gotten Swayze into a situation where they were going to kill him. And then Tark, out of nowhere, with a like. It almost looks like the kind of thing you use to trim branches on a tree oh, like, yeah, that's really long, far right? away. You know, like he's, it's a pole with a little scythe on the end. You know, it's a scythe, I guess. But like he can't, can't, but it's more like spear-like, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of just ran into the situation, and instead of putting the metal thing on the end of the stick into the bad man, he put it next to the bad man, who grabbed it and pulled him into his sharp thing uh-huh. he had into his hand, killing Tark. Uh-huh. And it was just like, I know you were drunk, man, but, like, you had one job, and it was stick the sharp thing in the bad guy, and he missed. Hey, man, how many times have you had to stick the sharp thing into the bad guy? Never. Okay, well, then you can't judge him. I guess you're right. How it, You probably wouldn't even want to do it if the time came. You'd be like, I don't want to put the sharp thing in the bad man. That's It's going to hurt him. That's a good point. I don't want to hurt the bad man. Yeah. As a person, as a knife enthusiast, I don't know. Yeah, stabbing someone seems hard. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy. I like. I was 
tr- I was trying to find the reasons for the R rating all throughout the movie because like movies have to be like really intense to get an R rating these days. It seems like yeah, there's just like a little bit of blood in this movie, a few boobies, and the one beheading. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beheading. The beheading, I think, earned it the R rating. <laughs> that was, like, right in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and there's one towards the end, I think, as well. <laughs> well, is it, are you, the, the one in the beginning doesn't count because it was a sand person? Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking. They don't have faces. Yeah. They're, like, covered in they rags. They weren't even credited as extras or anything oh like that. Oh, my God, they weren't in the credits. No. None of those sand people were in the credits. No. It was probably like a stunt company, right? I guess. <laughs> We're the fighting sand people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yikes. <laughs> you, yeah, that's that's it. I loved seeing the sand people swim through the sand. That was so dope. That w- it was it really looked cool. Like the first look at them before they even come out of the ground, it it's like such a cool effect because like clearly it's somebody under a sheet that's the color of sand. Mm-hmm. But they also do have some real sand yeah. on the set, so it's like it's a cool effect, I think. I I thought it was cool that after he fucked them all up, right? There was that one guy that was having a hard time walking still. He was dragging his friends back to the sand? I guess, yeah. He was trying to get them back through the sand hole. But, alright, alright. If they're subterranean, right? Sure. And they bury their dead? Oh, that's a good point. You'd think that they'd send them up to the heavens, right? Well, I don't know. That's Maybe they have, like, like, a trash compactor, right? And they put them in the trash compactor. Uh, do they, like, hey, don't go over there. That's where we keep all of our dead people at the same level we live at. Yeah, we live in these catacombs. Yeah, just don't go over there. I don't know. Do you think that they have, like... Maybe they bury them, dude. Just further underground. Like, board out tunnels, and then they just kind of, like, bur- you know, scurry their way up? Or do you think that, like, they're, like, forging their path right, every right, time? Right, like, like a graboid. I'm not too sure. See, because it definitely looked like they were forging their path, but now that I'm thinking about it, maybe the reason they had trouble getting back in is because they're not forging their path. They're trying to get in. Dude, if I were subterranean, I feel as if being a path forger would require, like, some heavy-duty, like, nails and, like, hand. Like, I'd have to be, like, all hand. Mm-hmm. You know? You'd fuck up your nails all the time and everything. I wouldn't be able to paint them, man. But I'd, I'd have to be, like, 30% hand. Like, uh-huh. my, my mitts would have to look like... Yeah, and those were, like, regular-sized like, like people. Like, goddamn catcher's gloves. Yeah, you're right, man. You're 100% right like, about this. And we'd also have to have, like, something scoopy yeah, on like them. Yeah, maybe, like, well. a bit of netting. Yeah, not even just netting, but, like, we'd have to have nails to break that oh, shit yeah, up. for sure. Like, we'd be looking Thick like mole nails. people. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that makes sense why they didn't have mis- eyes and faces, because they, if they're subterranean, they don't need to see. But they were also coming up to fight. Yeah, I, want, I want to know the backstory and of take them. his stuff like where yeah what did they want his stuff for I want to see that movie yeah I want to see the Morlock future movie this the subterranean sand dwelling community and how they live in this post-apocalyptic society hello Taika Matiti. hello yeah I think it'd be really cool and if we could get Patrick Swayze in it I mean like hologram technology dude dude but he's underground. They're underground. Underground, like they're both on the periphery of society. Yeah, like I think it's time. 
think it's time. Would you do a Blade Runner? Pull a Blade Runner and do one 30 years later? Yes. Yeah. And do, uh, would it send us Swayze? Yeah. Son of Swayze. But we got to get that kid back who Jux. Jux. Who who would we cast as as the uh, a, a, as as the the nomad this time? Because we're, we're doing a Mad Max here. We're recasting. Yeah, uh, Charlize Theron. <laughs> you want you want Charlize Theron to be Patrick Swayze? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she can go find a himbo who lives in the desert who is just <laughs> building his own society. Uh. So we're doing a, an overboard situation where we where we swap the genders now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I could be uh, I could be on that. So Josh, how do you feel about this movie? <laughs> I gave it two out of five stars, but I liked it. I liked it too. I'd probably give it two and a half out of five. Obviously, it gets points for just being a Swayze movie, but who cares how we like this movie? How does it rate on the Swayze scale? Swayze scale. Hi. Rates fucking high. Are there any negative points? Like I know that there's points that don't get allocated because he doesn't ride a horse. But well, there's horses in it though. There are horses in it. So that's like a, a half a point at least. I mean, I'm just saying, no points deducted on anything. No. As far no. as I'm concerned, there's fighting. Um, there's positive masculinity. There's dad stuff. There's the new trope that I've discovered, which is the uh, Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Uh, I mean, come on, he's always trucking from place to place. Every movie, every movie. Yeah. The only movie we've watched where he isn't going from place to place. Outsiders. Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, but I was. Th- that's not the one that I was thinking. Which one were you thinking of? I was thinking. Letters little- from a killer because he was in jail. No, I was, no, because he goes on a road trip. Yeah, you're right. I was actually thinking the other road trip movie. Um, Lulu? Lulu, yeah, but they actually do go on the road, but his character like want doesn't want to. I'm scared of the road. I'm scared of the road. No. I'm scared of being a dad. I would have a son. Yeah, there's dad stuff in this movie. There's fighting. There's the yoga. It's, He's got everything, man. I don't know. You want to... Let's give it Let's give it a four and a half out of five. On the Swayze scale? On the Swayze scale. This is a Swayze fucking movie. Yeah. The only way it could get a five is if uh, well he we had a sword instead of a gun in this one. Uh huh. I don't like guns though. Yeah, but he had he had a sword and he killed a bunch of people with this sword. And he seemed to know how to use the sword at yeah. least as a prop. Yeah. So I I am totally cool with no guns and having swords. Like That's it looked like he sick. was he had done color guard training. He was so good with the sword. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I say. I'd say it'd be a five out of five if he rode a horse. If he rode the horse, but instead, five out of five. instead, a bunch of people riding horses rode up on him as he was taking a bath outside. So it's like a nine and a half out of ten. It's like a four point seven five out of five. Like this is the closest that you could be to a ten star without being a, a ten star, a perfect, perfectly Swayze movie. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking about dialing it back to a four out of five. Wow! 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 Because we didn't see any Swayze buns. Um, no, but he was naked in that one scene. We as just didn't see him. As I'm saying. You're right, dude. It was an R rating. Could We could have saw some buns. And it was like his literal wife. Like I think they could have t- gone a little bit further with the sexiness of their relationship as I, well. I don't know. I don't know about that. He thinks that sexiness is reserved for private. I think, I think that it could have been more believable uh-huh not necessarily more sexy it didn't seem to me that they had that much chemistry that's exactly all. that's what i'm saying like 
for for a couple that's actually real, I would have expected them to. Uh, Especially because this strikes me as a movie where they didn't do a lot of takes, right? <laughs> like, so they were had to have been practicing with each other. Yeah, I don't know. I just I would have liked a little bit more chemistry on screen from Sparks. and Patrick. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I feel on the Swayze scale. Like a four out of five. I think this might be one of the swayzier ones we've watched. So it far. is definitely a swayzier. So one. you're gonna say at least an eight. I would give it at least an eight. Yeah, out yeah. of ten. I'm, I don't know how I've developed a ten point scale and you've developed a five point scale. <laughs> this always happens on podcasts. It's okay. I don't know. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Do you want to hear about how everyone else thought about this movie? Uh huh. All right. This was a budgeted. At $3.52 million, for opening weekend we made $311,000 and a worldwide gross of $562,000. I'm sorry, how many millions did it cost? $3.52 million. Like, that's a low-budget movie today. This is a low-budget movie Period. Then it was a mo- low-budget movie. I don't know yeah. how money worked in 1987. Yeah, this, is, this is a low-budget movie. Anyway, we sliced it. Right? Okay, so so we've got ratings from Letterboxd. It made no money. It made, it made no negative money. money. It made absolutely no money. Holy shit! Like, <sighs> if these people got paid, <laughs> if they did, like, they got Swayze probably. Like Swayze and uh, Lisa probably got paid and they didn't even need it because he had all that fucking dirty dancing money when he got home. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, like, they, I, it probably just wound up for them. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we didn't get paid. That but was a I wild got vacation. We fucked out in the <laughs> desert. It was nice. <laughs> we read some we made this weird Mad Max movie and just came home and was dirty dancing. Uh, yep. I mean,. Wow, I feel bad for everybody who is involved with this movie, except for uh, Brian, because yeah. he has a dumb name, and he made me go, "Oh, you see a you see a, a Patrick Swayze in the desert on his back, and he can't get back over. Then you're not helping him. Why What's not, a Patrick Swayze? <laughs> well, have you ever seen Roadhouse? <laughs> yeah, it's like that." So I mean that's that's on me though. <laughs> I was doing that through the whole movie. <laughs> it was the best part. I just loved di- it. Just different things. Oh, you you see a wind turbine on its back. <laughs> What's a wind turbine? I was like a fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, here. Why is it on its back? Uh, well, uh, you don't know. So Letterbox has this movie at two point four out of five. IMDb has it at five point one out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes did not have anything. We've got an audience Holy score. Holy shit, how could there not be a Rotten Tomatoes We've got an audience score of 34%. We've got an Amazon of 4.5 out of 5 with 70% 5 stars, 2% 1 star. I feel bad for giving this thing 2 stars. I think I might give it an extra half a star. It's, yeah. it's, better, than, it's better than a 34%. Like, I think, you know, I'm just glad everybody tried. <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining. Like, I, it's not that it was bad. It was just like I would recommend it to people. It was very clearly done, done quickly. It was fine. It was it was good, good, good for what it was. Like I'd recommend this to anyone who uh, wants to see Patrick Swayze do a Mad Max. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like a Mad Max or a Waterworld or yes. a, a Dune. It's like any of these. 
A uh, little bit less Dune, in my opinion, but definitely. Well, he who controls the water controls the. Well, that's Mad Max, man. Oh, yeah, you're right, but the spice. Well, that's the spice. <laughs> oh, watch this new Dune. Of course. It's going to be free, right? We're going to be able to watch it on HBO? I think so. It's it, Ka- do you think Kyle McLaughlin's going to be in it? Maybe. If not, we can watch that one. Or we can watch the William Hurt version. That, why are there so many Dunes? Because it's, a, I don't know, popular? Um, did I, uh, Why are there so many Ninja Turtles? Let me just... Uh, There's a fifth Ninja Turtle now, man. Did you know that? What's his name? I don't know. It's it's a lady, Phil. though. Yeah, she's she's her 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 things are yellow, and she wears claws on her hands. Her name's Georgia. I think it's like Jessica or something like that. Well, it has to be a Renaissance painter, and Georgia O'Keeffe was the only painter that I could think of. So she's not a Renaissance painter. Yeah, I guess I've got some uh, taglines. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. We should have man. We should have ran those before. <laughs> They're good. Yeah, yeah. He is a desert warrior carving the future with his sword. <laughs> Dude. You want another one? This time there's swords. This time there's swords. <laughs> you want another one? Yeah. In this frightening time, one man makes a difference. I got one more. You want that one too? Yeah, give me the third one. Patrick Swayze, the dirty dancer, is now a desert warrior. Desert warrior. Dude. He's a Gerudo warrior. There's nothing to argue with. Yeah, they. This is. This is. Man, this is. This is schlock. It's pure. I like it though. I liked it. Yep, I'm gonna give it. I might even give it a whole another star. Yeah. Shit. After hearing how little money it made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want. I want three out of five stars. Yeah. 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 Three out of five from me. Uh, yep. On the regular scale of how a movie can be good. It just that's just how much I liked it. Yep. Three out of five. Uh huh. It was great. And I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten on the Swayze scale. Yep. Sounds good to me. I like that. We've got a lot of numbers going on here. Um, do you have any more numbers for people? Um, stocks are up. Uh, we got the stonks. Yeah, uh, we got some stocks. Maybe we'll be offering stocks to people soon. Yep, you can buy uh, you can buy the uh, crazy for Swayze Bitcoin over on the uh, Bitcoin store. You know, Swayze coin. Swayze coin. Um, and we're gonna make sure that this this money stays in the crazy for Swayze family. Now you're gonna be able to find all that information and where to find that shit at Swayze Pod on all your social medias. You can email us at SwayzePod at gmail.com. And we're both on Letterbox. Josh is at Joshua C Y and I'm at Vincent Troya. And uh, you know. How do you want to handle the emails once we start getting them? What do you mean? Should we we'll like address them. them on each episode or should we like have a mailbag episode? If they're good. Imagine if we have like a a bunch of emails suddenly. Why would we have a bunch of emails? Well, well, because now we're we're talking about it, and in ten weeks when we release this episode, people will be like, "Oh, it's time to send some emails." Whatever. So, uh, you want to talk about your other show? Uh, no. All right. Well, thanks for uh, hanging out with this movie with us. I've been Vince Troya. I've been crazy for Swayze. We're crazy. <laughs>